From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Film Forward. On today's show, we have Jeremiah Zagar. He's the writer-director of We the Animals, which screened at last year's Sundance Film Festival, had a successful theater run, and was nominated for five Independent Spirit Awards. Jeremiah, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to start, we're talking about We the Animals, Spirit Award nominee, Sundance Darling. Let's talk about the beginning of this uh, and your collaboration with uh, Justin Torres, uh, the film is based off of his novel. Um, how did how did you find this novel? What what about the novel made you want to adapt it into a film? Uh, I found it on a We Recommend table at a bookstore in New York mm. called McNally Jackson. I picked it up. I read the first page, and I fell deeply in love with it. Um, and I sat there in the bookstore, and I read the whole book. It's only 130 pages, and I called Justin up. Or I emailed him, and then we spoke on the phone, and we met for um, a drink um, and a bite, and we talked. And we I talked about how I wanted to make the movie, and he was down with that. He had had a bunch of other offers, but I think the people who had made those offers wanted to augment the novel in a way that was unappealing to him. Um, right, and I didn't really want to change the book at all. Um, I just you know, I really just wanted to make exactly what was written. Mm-hmm. That's not ultimately what happened, but that was my intention. Yeah. Well, I, it's a beautiful adaptation. When you read the book, it's a gorgeous read, but you guys did a great job of adapting. Yeah. Um, Dan Katroser, my co-writer, he's a wonderful writer, and he was able to intuit the book with me. And, and we, we thought of it as translation, not really as a, um adaptation, sort mm-hmm. of. How do we put these words on screen and how do we make them visual? Right. Um, and Justin read every draft we wrote and he was there on set for the entire process of filming. And yeah. he was there through the edit. And I think that's what made it good was the way that you know we embraced the essence of the book and tried to be as true to it as possible. You said he was on set a lot for the entire process. Did you ever refer to him? All the time. Like, yeah. Just oh, make yeah. sure you guys were in the zone. Cause Every a, take. A, 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 Every scene. I would go up to Justin and I would say, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I was like my, uh, he was whispering in my ear the whole, the whole time. <laughs> Which I mean, I'm sure made him feel great. I hope so. I mean, I, I wanted the movie to be as much his as it was mine or anybody's on set. You know, it yeah. was... It's his story. It was his story, and, and we had to honor it as fully as possible. If you guys pick up the Blu-ray, which is available now, there's a great bonus feature uh, with an interview with Justin. That's he's very, very charming. <laughs> he's very charming. He's a wonderful dude. Yeah. Thanks um, for plugging the Blu-ray. Of course, man. I'm 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 Mr. Blu-ray. Like, I'll have to ask you where is this movie streaming now, so people can go watch it. I mean, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Perfect. You could just watch it on Netflix, yeah. Which or is if cool. you're like me buy the blu-ray so you can watch all the that's right pictures. if you're international you can't watch it on netflix you have to you have to see it when it comes out in your country but right. um but here in the u.s it's on netflix awesome um this performance by evan rosado yeah is i'm not just saying this because you're here 
my favorite performance of 2018. Wow, that's awesome. It is. You hear that, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's listening. Uh, he tells so much of this story, of so much of what's in the book, and so much of, I think, the story of just growing up and coming of age with his eyes. As he's watching his parents, as he's you know watching his brothers, you're growing up, you're seeing this this boy come up, and it's uh, it was very very powerful and a very well directed performance. Talk to me about working with Evan because this was his first acting ever, correct? Yeah, we found Evan's brother, who's his twin, mm. at a Puerto Rican Day Parade. We were in New York, wandering around, handing out flyers, and. He came in for an audition, his brother, and Evan was with him. Um, Evan has this quiet, contemplative, soulful mm -hmm. essence about him. Yeah. Um, that's innate. And we didn't, the, the way we would do the auditions is we would just interview the young men that would come in. We wouldn't ask them to do a scene. Right. We would just talk to them and find out who they were because we really wanted to cast the role for the young person, not the other way around. Right, right. Um, and he was magnetic, and he barely said anything. But, you know, some people capture the screen with their humanity, and Evan is one of those people. He has that ineffable quality. And I think all the young people in the movie do, and I think that, you know, so do Raul and Sheila. They have that ineffable magic where they mm -hmm. capture the screen. But Evan really had the essence of the Jonah character, um, in his body and in his eyes. And then the question was whether or not he could act, you know? So <laughs> he came back over and over again um, to do auditions with us and with our acting coach, Noel Gentile, um, and Dan Katroser, who um, was my co-screenwriter, but also a wonderful teacher. Um, he works with young people. And you know, Evan really had trouble emoting, trouble enunciating. He was uh, a very insular, quiet person, the character is. Right. So um, it was Noel and um, Dan's job to bring him out. Yeah. And they did. Teach they him did. The, the craft part of it, yeah. Yeah, and um, and really to just let him unlock, you know, the depth of emotion that was there. Right. Um, and he did. He unlocked it, and, and, and he spent a, about a year working with... Um, the other two boys and with um, Sheila and Raul and he lived that role and by by the time we finished shooting he was that character yeah I think that can be said for you know much of the cast if not all of it it's one of the most impressive things about the film to me is very early on in the film you as the audience member feel like you're a member of this family like you're you're kind of in it like okay these are my brothers too like that's my mom. Don't hit my mom. You know, like all this, or at least that's how I felt, yeah, you know, yeah. and maybe it's cause like I could relate to some elements of the story, but you really feel like you're a part of the family and that family is a big, a big theme in the film. What about the family dynamic was important to you when making the movie? Well, I think that when you're shooting a film or the films that I love, there's a sense of intimacy that seems unprecedented, right? Mm -hmm. That you want to allow the audience to experience the kind of loving intimacy that only usually gets experienced in private. Right. And that when you see that on screen and when you see the specificity of that, it moves you. Right. You relate to it, right? 
Um, and so we worked hard on trying to create that kind of intimacy. Um, a lot of it had to do with touch and, you know, small gestures that only families experience. Um, and then a lot of it had to do with sort of creating an environment where the actors could be free to create that intimacy. Um, so it's negotiating the specificity with freedom. Um, so the actors need to feel free, but they need to know where to put their hands, basically. Right, right, right. Um, and to put their emotion. And we tried as much as possible to bring the actors together so that they could feel like a family. So. Uh, Raul and Sheila, they lived together, and the three boys, they lived together. They slept in the same room. And that caused a lot of friction, but it also caused the kind of friction that families experience. Um, and I think, you know, united them and made them feel closer to each other for sure. And which that was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, in our society today with cell phones that are, you know, connecting us to the world, supposedly, I think we lose a lot of the intimacy of touch. Absolutely. You know? Even families, you know, they disappear into those um, text messages and whatever's on the internet, you know, uh, Instagram and, uh, you know, I have a flip phone, so I don't know it as well, but, you know, all that shit at Facebook. And, you know, we wanted to take you back to a time when, you know, there was no exterior distraction when, you know, family was close um, in every way and mm -hmm. sometimes in destructive ways. Right. We're talking about family. We're talking about intimacy. Uh, we're talking about We the Animals. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back with more on Film Forward. Welcome back to Film Forward. We're chatting with Jeremiah Zagar and talking about his film, We the Animals. Uh, before the break, Jeremiah, we were talking about family, the family dynamic in the film. Can we talk a little bit about the family dynamic with the crew? Because you guys were out there for several months, right? Yeah, two months. Talk to us about the relationship with your crew. Travel jobs are always interesting, but they're always super rewarding. And uh, I love my crew. Yeah. You know, Zach Mulligan, my DP and I, we've worked together for years. Mm -hmm. Um Laura Klein, who was my AD, is a gem of a human being. And she's the kind of AD that you dream of having. She not only holds down the fort, but she's also the kind of person that will, you know, go out with you on um, on Saturdays and shoot pickup shots for no money. Right. Um, which is, you know, vital when you're making independent films. You know, my producers are amazing. Jeremy Yakis um, and Christina King. Paul Mazet, Andrew Goldman, Christina and Jeremy, I've known forever. Jeremy, I've known since I was um, 13 years old. Mm. We have a company together called Public Record. And Andrew and Paul from Cinereach have made some of the best movies, I think, of the last 10 years. You know, Beast of the Southern Wild and Beach Rats and Sorry to Bother You and, you know, granted so many more. Um, they were invaluable and really supportive. You know, I think the hard thing when you're a first time narrative director is feeling like the world could collapse around you and that it will. Um, right. And what's beautiful is when you have producers who have been there before, you know, they can feel the world collapsing around you and they can <laughs> tell you how to avoid it. Right. You know, we also had just an amazing, amazing gaffer 
his name is Brant. He lives out here. Brant Bielan, he lives out here in LA. He came out. We worked together on, on documentaries and commercials for years, and he came out, you know, roughed it. Um, we had an amazing key grip and, and just an amazing young crew who was just down, down to be there and down to support those young people and always with good attitudes mm-hmm. and ready to, for the adventure. You know, it's an adventure. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, some days it feels like it's going to explode and you need a family with you that is fearless and down for that, you know. And so I, I felt very fortunate to have the people we had. And just like we wanted to create a family within the nuclear on-screen world, we wanted to create a family where the crew could be a part of. Um, and I think they were. We had, you know, we all took photos and shared them. You know, we all screened dailies at the end of the week together. And That's wonderful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sometimes that, that family dynamic in the crew shows up on screen or I guess when it's bad sometimes it can show up on screen you know but when it's things are clicking and everything's gelling and there's this rhythm and this song that's happening on on screen like it is with your film it you can maybe it's because yeah I mean I started out as an AC and actually we have we had this uh AC her name's Marlena Scrobe she was also our casting director and she was all you know she was like with us and she was also our intern years before and she was with us through the whole process and it was like that with everybody it was like yeah we were all willing to let people grow and expand and yeah. do whatever they needed to do because you know we we believed in that you know and absolutely uh, and you know, we it was warm you just like you you loved everybody involved in the film you know and so, that that counts for something. Yeah, I think when you make a film with love, it shows. You know? Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about Zach Mulligan, your DP. Uh, the film has a gorgeous look. You guys shot on Super 16, right? Yeah, primarily. It gives it this texture that makes it feel kind of like you're looking through an old family photo album or something. That's right, yeah. When did you guys decide that you were going to shoot it on 16? And uh... We had done a test on RED. We own our own RED camera, mm-hmm. um, and I hated it. I didn't hate the test. I mean, the test looked good, yeah. but I hated how good it looked. Right, right. You know, it, it needed to look like nostalgia, mm-hmm. and it needed to feel like yesterday without saying yesterday. Right. You know? So the feeling you're, you're talking about is the feeling we were going for. Beyond that, I love film. I mean, I've shot, even my documentaries, I shoot a lot of stuff on film. And I, I, I love the tangible textural quality of it. You know, every time I watch these movies lately and they're shot digitally, you know, sometimes they look good and sometimes they make sense for the story. But a lot of times I think this is ridiculous. I mean, this looks so clean and so pristine and right. so without feeling. Um, and there's no blacks anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it makes me sad. And I love... I love the way film looks. I love the grain structure. and I love what it does to a set, too, when mm-hmm. you shoot film. It makes every moment precious. You Absolutely. know, you, the material is silver and halide, and you don't want to waste it. And um, and so you you treat it with reverence, and that's a, that, that trickles down to the entire process. Absolutely. A man after my heart. <laughs> a celluloid man. I'm a celluloid dude. You talked about you, a little bit. You touched on your documentary work. Do you think... Earlier we were talking about intimacy and how that kind of helped set the tone for this piece. Do you think your documentary directing aided you in that? You know, because when you're directing documentaries, you have to develop this relationship also that gives you this access. Yeah, I mean, I think you direct 
the way you know how to direct. Right. <laughs> you know, so um, I didn't know how to work with actors really. And I don't, I didn't really know how to create an environment where actors felt, you know, uniquely comfortable in the way that, you know, maybe they're trained to. But what I did know is how to create an environment where average human beings feel comfortable. Right. And so I thought if we just treated the film as if it was real and as if this family was a family and it's, this is where they lived and these were the people around them and we're just filming them as if they're human beings, then, <laughs> um, then we would get what we wanted. And, you know, for the most part I was right, but, you know, there were also times when I needed to augment the environment for the actors so that it was comfortable for them to experiment and uh, perform. Um, and it was a mix, you know? So I think creating that environment was vital, but also being very specific with what we needed and what we wanted was also vital for the actors as well. It was a, it was a dual pronged approach. Um, and some of that, you know, leaned in heavy to my documentary experience. And some of that was a new experience for me that um, mm -hmm. I had to adapt to um, as we, as we shot. Right. Um, if you can talk about it, what's, uh, what are you working on next? You know, um, I am writing another film with Dan and Justin, um, and we're we're Excellent. just working on the outline now, and hopefully get that ready soon. And um, also, Justin has a TV show that um, he's writing with his friend Mariam, who's amazing, him. that I would love to direct. And um, you know, I'm working on some stuff of my own, some TV stuff of my own. I, I like what's happening in television in terms of character development mm -hmm. and you know long form storytelling absolutely so we'll see well congrats uh on all the success of we the animals we're going to take one more quick break uh and when we come back we're going to uh go into my favorite segment give me three if you like the music in our show all songs are performed by the band dub eight Check out their new EP, Ayudame, available on iTunes and Spotify. And we're back with Film Forward, and now we are going into my favorite segment, Give Me Three, the segment where our guest gives me three films or television shows uh, that may have flown under your radar, Jeremiah. Let's start with one. So my favorite movie this year is a movie um, by Eugene Richards um, called Thy Kingdom Come. It's 40 minutes long. I don't know how you get to see it. Um, Eugene uh, is one of the great photographers of the past hundred years. Mm. <laughs> um, a lot of our photo reference is from Eugene. Um a lot of the images that you see in We the Animals come from his photography. But he made a movie with Javier Bardem um, during Javier Bardem's stint on the Terrence Malick film To the Wonder. Okay, cool. And um, Eugene Richards went around with a red camera and Javier Bardem as a priest and interviewed people. Wow. Um, so if you can get your hands on that kingdom come, get your hands on that kingdom come. Um, I just recently saw a movie called BPM, which is also... I've heard of it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Also distributed by The Orchard, and it is magic. That movie blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Um, the editorial style is like nothing I've seen. You want a master class in editing, watch that movie. Um, and if you haven't seen Streetwise, 
Streetwise is one of those, you know, unsung, unbelievable documentaries. And I think it's it just came out um, on Amazon. So you used to not be able to see it. You used to only be able to like, grab a bootleg copy on YouTube. Right. Um, but it's this Mary Ellen Mark documentary about young kids in Seattle, homeless kids. And it is one of the great movies of all time. One of the DPs uh, that I work with routinely, that's like one of his favorite docs. Oh, yeah. It's come out recently, yeah. It's an amazing, amazing film. Cool. So we got That Kingdom Come, BPM, and Streetwise. And I will recommend, if you have not seen it, We the Animals, now available on Netflix, Blu-ray, and probably some other VOD platforms. Yeah, iTunes, all that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Jeremiah, thanks so much for taking the time out and your busy schedule to chat with us. It was an honor to have you. Thank you very much. Boom. We're fist bumping for those you can't see. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Film Forward, and we'll catch you next time. The podcast is produced by Anselm Kennedy, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Our recording mixer for this episode was Craig Littleton. If you dug what you heard, please subscribe to Film Forward and share it with your friends.